Buy low candidates, guys. I've been spending some time thinking about buy low candidates, also from a Marlins perspective, but equally from an other team's perspective. Who could the other teams be targeting as a buy low candidate from the Marlins as well? Brian Reynolds' trade discussions, they continue. The suggestions, the rumors, they continue. Brian Reynolds, it seems, will not be a pirate. Will the Marlins get into the action? Gene Segura, not yet signed. Roster move, not yet made. Tons to get into. All on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked on Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, of course, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Hit subscribe to the pod if you are listening. Also, if you are listening, please note there is a YouTube show and channel. Yes, it is also called Locked on Marlins. Head over to there too if you'd like to have the visual aids. Why not? Uh, guys, it's Wednesday, the 4th of Jan. Thanks for making Locked on Marlins your first Listen of the day, I went deep on Gene Segura and the corresponding move uh, back on Monday. Uh, no move yet. Gene Segura, not yet official. And effectively, there is no rush to get this deal done. Uh, the Marlins clearly, in my opinion, uh, well, they not in my opinion, they clearly need to um, find a spot. The 40-man is full. We talked about it on Monday. The delay in this signing, to me, suggests uh, that the Marlins are planning a trade, at least one trade, to clear a spot. Otherwise, you would simply just DFA a guy uh, to clear the spot and get this deal done. Yes, there are medicals to, to be done, et cetera, et cetera. We've seen uh, the need to do that with the Carlos Correa situation. But for me, uh, the fact that this deal is not yet inked suggests to me that a trade is coming down the pipe. We'll wait and see. Uh, we talked about a couple of options on Monday. Equally, there are a few relievers that I think could and, well, perhaps should be DFA to clear a spot. Uh, the reality is this roster, this isn't just a Gene Segura-only deal. There should be more deals to come. Nevertheless, not yet official on mean Gene. We'll wait to see the move. I think it's coming soon, but there is, in reality, no rush. It doesn't have to be done right now. There is no limbo. There is no deadline. The Marlins can sit on it until they are ready to pull the trigger. And I think the reason they're sitting on it is because they're working on clearing a spot via trade. We'll wait and see on that one. Uh, if there is any news in that area, there will be an, a, an emergency pod, unless it happens through the night uh, for UK time. Thus, there will then be an emergency. So stay tuned for that one, guys. Any news that drops, Locked on Marlins will be here for you for immediate reaction uh, you can always count on that. So what are we talking about today? I mentioned it as well. I've spent some time things the last day or two um, about buy low candidates. And uh, not only from who the Marlins could target, but who other teams could be targeting. The reason I was thinking about this was it suddenly dawned on me uh, off the back of Brian Reynolds' uh, discussions. They continue, of course, to Brian Reynolds' trade rumors the packages, the suggestions, everything continues to swirl around. It's clear that Brian Reynolds and the pie are not going to happen long term. 
And so the, the Pirates are looking to cash in as best they can on their star player, Brian Reynolds. And let's start there, actually, and then we'll kind of segue into my thinking. Uh, firstly, there was a, 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 an article in The Athletic. I think there are at least nine trade packages put forward for Reynolds. There, the fit with Reynolds, on the face of it, looks good. The Marlins clearly need an outfielder, and, uh, and Reynolds, I think, fits the brief. Obviously, can plumb him into center field. Whether the defense is amazing, TBC on that one. But the the fit on the face of it seems good. However, what we should say with Reynolds, three years of control, and it's arbitration control, so increasingly expensive. Does that fit the Marlins' profile? Not sure it does. But if they think the window is in the next couple of years uh, and approaching, then why not? The package that was put forward, uh, for those that haven't seen or read the article, was a four-player package from the Marlins. Uh, Max Meyer on the IL for all of next year, uh, having uh, had Tommy John. So that certainly dings his trade value. Khalil Watson, uh, former first-round pick for the Marlins. Everyone loved that pick at the time. Things went a bit wonky for Khalil last year. Some discipline issues and some growing pains, let's say. And we'll wait to see how Khalil... Uh, takes a step forward in, in 23. Dax Fulton, a guy that I would say has certainly emerged in 2022 and is on a lot of people's lips right now. And Victor Mesa Jr., not Victor Victor, Victor Mesa Jr. So those four dudes, Max Meyer, Khalil Watson, Dax Fulton, Victor Mesa Jr., certainly Fulton, certainly Watson's tools, certainly Max Meyer, the way he performed at AAA, uh, all of those I would say, uh, you know, they, they sit in the top 10 prospects for the Marlins right now. And the farm is middling. Uh, I know Eli on Fish Stripes has talked about this in, in, in relative depth and multiple episodes. The farm is no longer as strong as it once was. So three top 10 prospects from the Marlins, middling farm. Uh, that probably is the price tag for Reynolds. It probably is. Victor Mason, the, the guys uh, from The Athletic talking about this, uh, they felt the Marlins would say no. Uh, this felt too much from a Marlins perspective to pay. However, the point is, Max Meyer, he is on the IL. The question with Max Meyer that will remain, still remains, we didn't get enough of a sample size at the major league level. So on Max specifically, what's his long-term future? Our man, um, <laughs> our man Keith Law, uh, as we recall, Keith was not that high, it's fair to say, on, on Max Meyer. Uh, felt like uh, he projected more as a reliever. Uh, the Marlins have continued to persevere with him as a starter. And it, the performance in the minor leagues was impressive. He was giving a go uh, as a starter at the major league level. And I think this package in many ways hinges on the future of Max Meyer. Is he a legitimate major league starter? Everything we've seen thus far says there's no reason to think he won't be. The Marlins clearly have a talent in developing pitching talent. And so he's in the right place uh, for certain. It's always been with Max, the third pitch. Can you get the third pitch right? And can it play? If it plays, Max Meyer, I think, will play at the major league level. But he only had one start and one inning, and that was the end for Max uh, at the major league level. So we don't know. Khalil Watson, again, tools insane, needs to grow up in the head. That is for sure. Uh, you know, ended up being kind of sent around the organization a bit last year. Um, punishment in many ways. So Khalil Watson, 
you know, uh, when when the Marlins managed to, well, not managed to, when they traded him, but managed to sign him at that spot, um, it, every, everyone thought that was probably the pick of the round because of the value they were getting there on Watson. I think there's still a ton to like in that profile, clearly. Yes, there's some growing pains, but I think, you know, the Marlins uh, shouldn't sell low. And in reality, you know, they could be selling low on Watson after a, a poor 2022. Dax Fulton, like I said, has emerged uh, rapidly to be one of the next the next men up, I guess, uh, in the tier and the conveyor belt of Marlins pitching. And Victor Mesa Jr. equally has been progressing nicely through the Marlins system. Wait to see what his profile looks like. Overall, uh, I think this feels like a little bit too expensive for the Marlins. I don't think the Marlins roster is quite one player away, i.e. I don't think Brian Reynolds dropped into this roster uh, is is the magic bullet, the silver bullet, or however you want to phrase it. I think there's still multiple pieces away. And as I've talked about on the show as well, we also have a, a core of Marlins that is churning after 23. With Coop, Miggy, uh, Coop, Miggy, Wendell, Soler, I think, will also opt out. Dylan Floro, Brian Anderson's already gone, already gone. Lewis Brinson has already gone. The old core is coming to the end, and there's a big, big churn coming on the roster, which means there's going to need to be a lot of new faces coming into the Marlins uh, organization and at the major league level. So I don't think they're one player away. I also just, I personally believe that from a Marlins perspective, and I put this out there on Twitter yesterday, I'm out on Reynolds. I'm out on Reynolds because I I think he better fits a big market team. I just I just don't see how this deal is the type of deal that the Marlins and the way that they run their organization should be pulling the trigger on. And why? Why do I say that? The main reason is that the big market teams, they will spend to supplement. And the Marlins won't. It's as simple as that. The Marlins won't spend. And so what they can't do is go and acquire a guy that's already in arbitration that will continue to get more expensive. And then in reality, they won't want to extend. They're not one player away. They can't afford Reynolds now from a far perspective. And they can't afford him in the future either. It doesn't make sense for the Marlins now. Unfortunately, it doesn't. The player would be great, let's say, um, but the fit right now for me doesn't make sense. A big market team that can get a deal done, I think like the Yankees is a perfect one. Like they probably have the farm, you know, in many ways, some of the, the top end of the farm to get a deal done. But at the same time, they don't care. They'll spend uh, around that as well. And they don't need a farm. The Yankees, if they don't, if you know, they can survive without a farm. If they empty the farm to get Reynolds, they can, they can extend, extend him. Um, but the Marlins, they can't. They can't empty the farm either. So for me, it is a bad, bad fit. Um, what isn't a bad fit is our guys over at Bet Online. Bet Online, they absolutely have you covered and they always have you covered. It's the number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. All the latest odds, trends for every professional and amateur league out there. You've got pro football, of course, the college ball season, which is just uh, wrapping up. Basketball, of course, they've got it all. They absolutely have it all at betonline.net. And, of course, it's the fastest and easiest way. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, so package put forward for the Marlins on Brian Reynolds. 
It feels too expensive. In reality, it probably hinges on the future of Max Meyer. I think that's another topic entirely. Is Max Meyer a, a major league starter? Right now, he projects to be. There's no reason to think he won't be. He'll likely return from Tommy John, Tommy John Strong. But the sample size on Max Meyer is clearly very small. Uh, and so we we don't quite know, but everything we've seen would suggest it would be uh, he would be an effective major league starter, particularly if he gets that third pitch going. Um, Brian Reynolds, for me, I think the Marlins should be out. I think he is too expensive farm-wise. He's too expensive arbitration-wise. He's too expensive extension-wise. It does not make any sense. So long-winded way of saying and going back to the deal that the Marlins made with the Diamondbacks. A few years ago, at that deadline, do you remember it? I do. Jazz Chisholm Jr. coming to the Marlins for Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen had just relatively recently made his Marlins Major League debut. Jazz Chisholm had not yet made his Major League debut. The Marlins liked the profile, and I guess the Diamondbacks liked the profile for Gallen. When you look at this uh, going into 22, everyone was like, slam dunk win for the Marlins. After 22, fair trade. Why? Not because Jazz regressed. No. Gallon had a, had a a real, real nice second half in particular in 22. So it feels fair. But for me, this still remains the blueprint for the Marlins. These are the types of deals that they have to do. They have to take a risk on a high ceiling prospect or two that's relatively near the major league ready. That's what they did with Jazz. Jazz was pretty much major league ready. He'd had a bit of a struggle um, in, 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 you know, in the time building up to the trade. But the Marlins saw the tools. They saw the profile. They liked what they saw. And they were happy to send a similar profiled guy, but a pitcher in Zach Gallen to go and get Jazz Chisholm and add him. And we saw him then come up and, and uh, make an impact straight away in 2022 in the COVID year. And now the Marlins have uh, a all-star and shortstop, however you want to phrase it, with all of the years of control that go with that. That's the profile. That is the blueprint for the Marlins. Not trading all of the farm to go and get a guy that's already in arbitration. It doesn't fit the business model. As much as we say, hey, we should spend. The Marlins aren't going to spend. And actually, the big guys, they don't want to come to Miami either. Fair enough. We've covered that enough as well. The blueprint is there. The Marlins have to make these types of deals because A, they can afford them, uh, and B, it gives them an opportunity to get lucky and be good. And what do I mean by that? Clearly, with prospects, there's an element of luck in there. But as well, they need to identify the talent, be good at identifying it, and then give the guy the best opportunity to succeed in the organization. For me, Jazz Chisholm has had that. Jazz and that trade was absolutely wonderful. And, I mean, a, another wrinkle from the last couple of days, I was putting it out there to say that I think Jazz Chisholm uh, is a superstar. Uh, I was talking about it in the context of a Braves trade package. Every time I hear the Brave, Braves Twitter talking about trades, Vaughn Grissom's up and Ian Anderson's up. You know, it's basically the guys that the fans know. Mm, we're not quite sure about them guys, but the name used to be good, so we'll try and use them to go and get a an all-star uh, second baseman shortstop. Doesn't work that way, guys. It doesn't. I then put it out to say, you know, if you want to get Jazz and the shortstop, um, the superstar that Jazz Chisholm is, you're going to need to come with an Aussie Albies, a Ronald Acuna, 
um, Michael Harris type of player. Um, uh, Braves Twitter clearly shot that down, and rightly so. And I don't think it's a, I think it's a non-starter. But the point that was also contested was, is Jazz Chisholm Jr. a superstar? And some people would call out to say, if you think Jazz is a superstar, you're insane. Sent me his, his lines, whatever, whatever. Listen, I can tell you right now, I can tell everyone right now, Jazz Chisholm Jr. is already a superstar in this league. He already is. Do you know why? Jazz Chisholm Jr. as a Marlin and with the current methodology for all-star voting, Jazz Chisholm Jr. as a Marlin was voted as the starting second baseman in the National League in 2022. Jazz Chisholm is already a superstar. We know the way the all-star voting happens, and it is heavily slanted to the big markets because of the methodology of, hey, you can have 10 votes a day and just keep on voting. Naturally, the players from the big markets with the big fan bases get in. The Marlins fan base, relatively limited, I think it's fair to say. So for Jazz to be voted in, as a star, says to me, we have a superstar, and, and rightly so. Energetic. He's wonderful on Twitter as well. He's not afraid to throw the clown emoji. Jazz Chisholm, already a superstar. Yes, we'd love to see a full year from Jazz Chisholm in 23. And if we do, wait to see what those numbers look like. They could be wild. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see the way things go for 20, in 23 for Jazz. Uh, I think that he will be given the best opportunity thus far to succeed as a major league player. And they're building around Jazz. They want him to succeed. They need him to, to succeed. We'll wait to see what position he's playing in the field. But nevertheless, um, going back to the, the 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 point I was making here, the that's the blueprint. The Jazz Chisholm trade is the blueprint. The Marlins are multiple players away. They need to be going and taking some risks on some hitting guys that have already been developed by other clubs, perhaps. And a, and a pretty much major league ready. I think Alec Thomas fits that profile from the Diamondbacks. That's why I talked about him a lot earlier on in the offseason. Clearly, with the Diamondbacks making that move already uh, in the outfield, perhaps that scuppers things. But I'm not completely convinced because they did get Guriel back uh, as part of that deal for uh, for Varsho. So perhaps Alec Thomas is still available. I think he fits the profile perfectly. Wonderful minor league career. Defense is good. Uh, can play center field. Plug and play right away. From a buy-low perspective, let's finish here. Who are the names or what was the name I was thinking about? I I started looking back at Joe Adele's career, minor league career. And the reason I was looking at it was because I was uh, being a little bit uh, bullish, let's say, on Twitter. I was talking about Jason um, Dominguez, the Yankees prospect. And everyone's talking about him. Hey, amazing prospect. And look at his numbers and the age. And I was like, okay, great. Completely understand that. But it made me see a Joe Adele minor league career absolutely hyped to the eyeballs. The numbers were, were, were wonderful in the minor leagues. And what have we seen at the major league level? A lot of strikeouts. Someone mentioned to me on Twitter yesterday, it's Monte Harrison all over again. And by the strikeout rates, I, I think that's probably fair. Um, the defense hasn't been good either with Joe Adele. But, you know, is Joe Adele the type of guy that's a, a, a buy low candidate right now? Uh, I think clearly, you know, the... The outfield at the Angels uh, is crowded. Mike Trout is still the king, uh, as he should be. Um, you know, should the Marlins be pursuing Joe Adele? They obviously moved Brandon Marsh uh, already, another guy that the Marlins were in on. Um, but again, Joe Adele 
Is that the type of buy-low candidate? And could you go and acquire Joe Adele for a relatively, you know, lower-level uh, guy right now as as he starts to kind of flame out, maybe needs a change of scenery, et cetera, et cetera? Like, are the Angels fans, how are they thinking about Adele? Do they think about Adele now as maybe as Marlins fans did with Lewis Brinson? Is that where the mindset is? And actually, is he just Lewis Brinson? Maybe. Maybe he is. But for me, by the history, by the profile, by the prospect pedigree, he's an obvious buy-low candidate that's heavily cost-controlled for multiple years. And the Marlins could take a risk on. They could. Why not? Because if it works out and you end up sending a middling prospect and it works out and Joe Adele can turn it around, and we saw Brandon Marsh start to turn it around straight away once he uh, went to Philadelphia, um, if you can go and get Joe Adele for a knockdown price and, and fix him effectively, all of a sudden, you fleece the Angels. Again, using Eli's words from the spaces earlier this week, the Marlins need to fleece some clubs rapidly to turn this around. They do, because they've had too many busts in the draft. So they need to go and do some trades and fleece some teams. Equally, the other thought I had, and we'll finish here, guys. Um, the other thought I had was around Sixto Sanchez. So let's think about Sixto. And it's, it's tough now, right, guys, with Sixto. We're biased a little bit as, as, as Marlins fans. We're snake-bitten in some ways with Sixto. And it's just because he's been out for two years. And the way it was reported um, over those two years about throwing from 10 feet, 15 feet, 17 feet, etc., it all became a big kind of parody, really, with Sixto Sanchez. But let's not forget what we saw from Sixto in 2020. It was absolutely electric. So we know he's put enough on tape for us to know if Sixto is back and healthy, there is a legit major league starter. A two, a three, a one, perhaps. Sky's the limit for Sixto if he wants it. And that's the other knock on him, I guess. But if you are, if you're an organization looking for a buy low pitching candidate, pitching prospect in many ways, Sixto's been absolutely dropping through the floor in terms of prospect rankings, et cetera. And it's all due to health. And this is why it's probably unfair. Like, has the talent gone? Don't know. As the, what's happened to the health? Has it been good? So, fair enough. You reduce him down in the rankings. But if I was if I was looking at how can I go and get a guy that can maybe change our organization uh, from a pitching perspective that's cost controlled and maybe available at a discount because maybe the Marlins are thinking about don't know about the, the, the long term health we don't know about the work ethic we don't know about the attitude all of these things maybe the Marlins are ready just to to cut bait perhaps in a similar way to the way the Angels are thinking about Joe Adele I don't know if that is the case with with Adele and the Angels. But the sense I get with the Marlins is it's been a little bit of an unhappy marriage for some time. But does that mean a club comes in and says, hey, listen, we'll take a flyer on Sixto Sanchez? It's worth the risk, right? Like if, if, if I was another club and I was kind of looking around thinking our, uh, our, our kind of upper minors prospects, pitching prospects, not looking good. We don't want to be into the free agent market because it's expensive, very expensive. Maybe Sixto fits the bill. Personally, I just love to see Sixto come back and just give us what we saw in 2020. I was absolutely pumped. I remember a Blue Jays game or maybe a Rays game, or both live uh, through the night. I couldn't take my eyes off it. 
It was absolutely fantastic. I absolutely loved watching Sixto, and I hope he makes the recovery. Guys, we're out of time. That's Locked On Marlins signing out for Wednesday, the 4th of Jan. Thanks again for making Locked On Marlins your first listener today. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and I'll be back ASAP, likely tomorrow. But if news drops later on today around Gene Segura and the corresponding move, don't worry, there'll be a double episode. You know it. In the meantime, guys, enjoy your day. I'll see you soon.